I find it really disconcerting that I can't hear anything from you guys. That's why I, I didn't hear anything from either of you. Yeah. This noise cancellation stuff is getting too good. <laughs> right? <laughs> we we need to bring back the noise, but not in like okay. a not in like a hip hop way, just in a audio way. I know for a fact mine works because it showed up on OBS. So look, because I use OBS, like you can do uh, an audio recording just on OBS. You can do so many things on OBS. Like in my static group for Final Fantasy, there's a person who like has a thing where it's not recording. It's like phantom recording, and then they press a button, and it like gives you like a clip basically of whatever length you want. Oh yeah, so you can just like play without it recording and then if there's something that you actually want you press beep and it and it creates a clip of it yeah so like it works really good in like final fantasy savage rights because we finish a poll they press it and then if we want to go back and like figure out what we did wrong or what happened we can Jeez, well that sounds that, like some turbo nerd mmo stuff right there. yeah yeah it does sound incredibly <laughs> turbo nerdy on an MMO. You make that sound like we're a couple. Like, oh, we met on an <laughs> MMO? Like, I'm, I'm, know not, it. I'm not knocking that. I mean, I know people who met through Worm. Worm is a game that there's nothing else to do but meet people because the gameplay is not super engaging. <laughs> I mean, you make it sound like a dating site. Oh, look, look, there was at one point... <laughs> I think everyone in my alliance had had a fling with each other or something. So, what? Oh, oh yeah, God. yeah, yeah. No way. Mind you, That's my alliance so was me and my partner. So, you know. <laughs> okay, right. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, this is why I don't join alliances. Because, man, it's, uh, I mean, I've got an alliance with myself. In any social, like, gaming sphere, I feel like there ends up being couples. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I know a couple that met through Habbo Hotel. Hmm. That sounds somewhat questionable, knowing the age demographics that are involved there, but sure, whatever makes them happy. No, no, no. It, it, it did range. I think Sui used to play Habbo, didn't you? Or am I misremembering? No, I don't think so. Okay. I, Let me Google I, it. I played Habbo Hotel, but I was like no. 14. No, I played Yovel. even Yo then I felt like I was too old for it. And I yeah. played it for like maybe like two weeks. And I was just like, this is weird. And it was I only because Yo a girl that I knew at my school was really into it. Oh. I, I would have played the heck out of this, but I never like had it. I never got into it, you know? So, so I, I can tell I would have played the heck out of it, though. Just, just to clarify, Drongo, you got into Habbo Hotel because of a girl you knew. Yeah, correct. Was it yeah, to it impress was a girl her in my art class? Well, it wasn't to not impress her. It was like, oh, uh, you know, she she was like telling me about how she played this game called Habbo Hotel and was like telling me something about how like she bought and sold furniture or something, and I, I didn't understand. And I was just like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. And I played it, and I was like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, what, what's the <laughs> what has... is the appeal of this? This isn't fair. Looking at it. Hold on, I'm looking at it on Google. It has a 2.1 out of 5 on the Apple Play Store. 
Wait, is it still around? Yes, it is still around. Wow. If you click the first link when you look at it, it's a proper website. I mean, like, I don't have an account, but it says it has like a sign in thing. It says join for free. Like, it's definitely still a thing, it looks like. I, I can't believe. Down Habo Hotel decades ago. I can't I mean, believe. I mean, okay. Okay, Webkins is still a thing too, though. I, I can't what? believe we live in a society that. You don't know what Webkins is? That closed down Habo Hotel. That closed down Pub Club Penguin, but kept Habbo Hotel open. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. No. Did you? Do you not know what Webkins is? Web Webcam Webkins. Webkins. Yeah. Do you know what a webcam is? Stronger. Is, 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 is this a furry thing? <laughs> no, I bet it's like a no, Neopets no, 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 no. clone. It's no, it's not. It's like it's from like two thousand eight, right? So like my childhood, like my. You know, I, I was definitely the demographic. You bought these little stuffed animals, and then they had a little coat on it, and then you put it into the game, and you could play with them. You could dress them up. You could feed them. You could, like, there was, like, I guess there was technically a social aspect, but it wasn't really booming. At least I never found it being booming. And there was all these little games you could play. It was very much like a kid's sort of thing. So, Neopets. So, it was like, so it was like a, a, a Tamagotchi, but you got a stuffed toy. Yes, but it was on the computer. Right. Okay. And it still exists. And well, it was like I'll 25 bucks per stuffed animal, too. Oh, jeez. something else that is still around, and that is the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. This is episode number 74, episoding, on, uh, episoding? Uh, airing on the 18th of June. Uh, my name is Bloody Drongo, and I'll be your host today. And I am joined by the... Uh, wonderful Sui and the equally as wonderful Arch plays stuff. Uh, how are you today, Sui? I am good. A little bit sleepy. Um, I was supposed to be doing Final Fantasy Savage raids like right before this, but uh, we uh, didn't have enough people, so we just did other stuff. I'm still tired though. Being a group call with like six, no, we had five other people in it is exhausting. It's it really is. Spoons. It really is like I, I I tried explaining this to someone. It's like oh, I I get you know a little bit exhausted easily in group calls and all of that. And they're like, "But you're a streamer," and I'm like, "Yeah, but I've got a captive audience. It's just me talking mm -hmm. to people." When it's like all of this group area and you've got to listen and then wait and then talk, it gets exhausting. And, yeah, and, and, and then like you're you scared today, you're gonna mess something up. Sorry. I am fantastic. My days, my week has improved and changed so many things. And uh, hopefully get to share some of the, the bigger news. But um, also my health news came back absolutely amazing, which is something that I had um, been dealing with. And I've been pretty open about it. Uh, for those of you who follow me anywhere, the... Um, potential diabetes diagnosis and what I was doing to, to try and counteract that. And it seems I was successful. Um, the work I did is, has brought my blood sugar down to a normal level and it's good. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. definite, like huge, huge changes and like definitely, definitely proud of it all. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's great news. I think it's, uh, one of those things like having been through that my, myself, uh, you know, relatively recently having like a, cross, a chronic D, uh, chronic illness diagnosis hanging over your head, um, and processing that and kind of dealing with that and managing it, learning to manage it is, can be, you know, extremely, extremely taxing. So I think that's, um, yeah, that's, that's wonderful, dude. I can only imagine how good that must feel. Cloud nine, maybe even cloud 10. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you today, Drongo? How's, how's things been treating Dr. Ongo? Look, I've been I've been doing pretty good. I can't complain. I've been uh, keeping myself very very busy, um, which is good. I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed today with just the amount of stuff that I've got going on and and trying to uh, trying to herd cats in some respects. Meow. Uh, especially in terms of my own organization, I feel like I'm a bit all over the place right now and. I'm somebody that kind of needs to have a kind of a, a pretty clear idea of what I'm doing and how I'm structuring my time. Otherwise, it just kind of ends up as like a, a mental ball of string that is all tangled. And I don't know whether I'm coming or going or what is meant to happen when And I just sit there and just like, oh, my God, I, I don't understand what's going on. But I'm working my way through it and uh, I don't have anything really to complain about. So overall, I would say I'm doing good. No, that's very good. That's very good. Um, I, I do want to apologize uh, for those of you listening or, you know, for our dear listeners sitting around the radio. Um, we had actually planned to start earlier, but I kind of double booked something. And so while um, I, I, I double booked and we were trying to work out a new time for the podcast recording. I'm there in an interview going, yes, my time management skills are great. <laughs> and not, not, not feeling an ounce of shame about it. So, so there we go. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, I mean, I was originally, I was originally supposed to be on the podcast and then I couldn't because I put my time in wrong for the availability. And, you know, at this later time, I could make it. Yeah, so it all worked out in the end. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I could bring us all together. But I do miss doing podcasts with Jess. Jess was originally meant to be here, but because of the time change, she couldn't. And it's been a while since I, I, I've done recordings with pretty much anyone other than you two at this point. You know, it's, yeah. it's, we're, we're, the, we're, the, we're the afternoon shift, aren't we? Yeah, you know the, I mean, the the night shift for me is uh, usually Drongo, you and um, FG and Kiri, and then the morning shift is Jess, Blind, and Bell. So, you know, Drongo, I can't think mm. of the last episode I did without you in it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, my availability is pretty broad because I don't have a real job, so I just uh, kind of putter around and uh i've been on a lot of episodes lately i think the only person in the team that i can think of that i haven't been on an episode with is bell um mm-hmm. but I, I i think at this stage i've been on an episode with just about everybody now within the last like two months i would say we so we yeah. need to fix that 
for when we just do a Warhammer themed episode because <laughs> Belle is a huge Warhammer nut and you know, obviously Drongo, you and I are too. So um, I think there's a lot of potential opportunity for us to just have a three-hour-long podcast at that point. A Warhammer, Warhammer-themed episode. Yeah, yeah, that'll have to yeah. be split into two parts simply because <laughs> it just, you know, all right, so we've covered the Horus Heresy. It would be a no. two-part intro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my mate is actually a mod for the uh, 40k Law subreddit too. Oh, dear God. So he and I wind up in such deep, deep, like, rabbit holes of discussion about stuff and potential plots and theories. And it's honestly so much fun. Like, I love talking the lore. I love talking the, the books and the possibilities. So, yeah. That's interesting because, like, a lot of the time you have really garbage takes about Warhammer as well, so... Hey, hey, my garbage <laughs> takes tend to be about everything else. <laughs> my my takes on Warhammer are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. our arch does have pretty bad takes, so we're all let's be real here. Wow. No, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I am not sure. sitting here and taking judgment from a man who smears mayo on his face for content. <laughs> you know? Like, like, at least one of us has taste, and he has not yeah. had a mayo facial. I mean, yeah, that's, that's fair enough. That is fair enough. I do enjoy debating, like, Warhammer lore and stuff like that, because there is so, so much room for interpretation and uh you know there's there's conflicting bits of lore and information and stuff like that so yeah it leaves a lot of room for debate and it makes it really interesting it so does i would personally really enjoy doing a uh, a warhammer themed episode with, i also uh, don't think Paul. we've actually discussed i like that i'd enjoy doing a warhammer themed episode with bell if you have to if arch, you it was implied if you have to attend arch then I'd still enjoy doing an episode with Belle. Um, <laughs> I know Kiri's been getting progressively more into Warhammer lore as well. Which yes. has been really exciting, and I've really enjoyed seeing her interest and uh, knowledge of that, uh, I guess, universe expand. It's been very cool. Yep. No, 100%. Um... It's always great seeing people fall into the Warhammer, the Warhammer world, because it's like, it taught me that games, that worlds can have so much lore. And, you know, I, I remember early on being like, oh, my favorite thing about it is there's so much lore. There's like literally decades of lore already. And it's just, it's only gotten better. They've, they've committed to doing a lot more lore and it really shows. So it's been absolutely great. Love it. I like that there's now a really defined and progressive timeline as well of things moving along, uh, especially with the latest, like... Um, Tenth edition? In the universe. Yeah. The Lion Returning. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Have, you, have you read that book? I've not, no. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. I, have, I have listened to um, several YouTubers... Kind of thoughts and interpretations of it because i find that a lot easier to 
commit to you know sitting there and, and watching or listening to a one hour long video interpreting it and and discussing mm. various points than sitting down and committing to reading a book because man reading is just like a lot of energy that i just do not have these days yeah a hundred percent but um they're like i Aside from the law, the writing of the book is fantastic. There's literally one moment where, you know, if you if if you don't want to if you want to avoid spoilers, the book's been out for a couple of months. But if you want to avoid spoilers, uh, skip forward about thirty seconds. Um, so the lion has come back. He has not met the dark angels yet. He meets the fallen, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Wait!" And they're like, "We're we're not actually evil. We just." Kind of got messed up in it all. So he's actually, they're, they're loyal. They're with him. The blood angels turn up to sort of investigate the claims of, it, of the lion returning. And the retinue of 60 blood angels turns up and Dante is there. And the first thing is the lion just loses his cool and it's like, you know, who are you to wear my brother's face? And... You know, he take he takes it off and he's like, you know, I am Dante, I'm all of this, rah 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 rah. And um it, it goes on with something else and he's like, Wait, I don't need to prove that I'm uh, uh, I'm I'm me, that I'm not like some demon or something. And um Dante goes, like, you recognize the face of Sanguinius and also you're exactly like, um, you know, you sound exactly like a Primarch or, or you talk exactly like one or act exactly like one or something. And he's like, wait, what? And he's like, Robuti is still around too. And he's like, I'm not alone. And it's just like this great thing because he thought he was alone. He did mm. not know Robuti was still around. He thought that it was basically him. And just the I way the writing is- little- Little pronunciation, Rebooty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Rebooty, isn't it? Rebooty. I don't know. I learned Rebute, it from a book. I believe Rebooty Gilliman. Rowboat girly man. Let's let's stick to the uh, the fan the fan uh, pronunciation. But yeah, I love it because it creates all of this emotion. It builds this character, and he is he is someone who is not who he was in the thirty k universe. He is more about protecting. He is more calm and he's sort of growing and i love that i love just what they've done with the books and the whole setting anyway that's well (laughs) i was gonna say i mean we somehow managed to already stray into turning this into a warhammer themed episode but i promise you it's not and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we will be talking about the various games that we have played this week stay tuned my bad (laughs) <laughs> You're totally fine, man. Alrighty, welcome back to episode 74 of the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. We are being uh we are going to go through some of the games that we have been playing this week. Uh, why don't you lead us off, Sui, and tell us a little bit about Everdream Valley. I feel like Arch is going to be better at talking about this game than me, but I just started playing it, so no spoilers, Arch. Um, I've only gotten about four hours in, and I'm really enjoying it. It's like, it's this really, it's a farming sim, but, and it has that like really, being really, really busy with lots and lots of things to do all the time. 
which I really like. However, at least so far into the game as I am, you don't actually have, like, a city that you go to. And, uh, tasks and stuff are a lot, there's a lot of things dependent on sleep. So, it's, yeah. I'm enjoying it so far. But it's a very different approach, I feel like. It, it is a very different approach. It's a, it's a farming, farm life sim, basically. The general premise of you're a child that goes to this, uh, place for the summer your grandparents farm your grandparents are actually still alive in this one which is a departure from mm -hmm. the usual farming simulator as well nice. <laughs> i actually haven't gotten as far as you suey i kind of played really? it and i'm bouncing off it um partly because of a game i'll be talking about later but it like you said it doesn't carry a lot of quests it doesn't like, it feels like a bunch of mechanics and things you can do without tying into anything larger at the moment for me. And to me, it just feels like fun mechanics, right? Yeah. I haven't and, gotten to too much story yet. Like, I still feel like I'm being tutorialized four hours in, which is yeah, really weird. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the feeling I got too. And I was like, this is this is strange. It's drip-feeding me tutorial info when it should be well past it you know and so that's kind of where i was at it as well but it is it is quite fun the cows from it look almost exactly like the old school harvest moon cows those really big <laughs> round faces and the round oh, circle wow. bodies it's yeah. like almost looking at it. i actually stopped and pulled it up on stream and i'm like I feel like there's argument for an IP infringement. <laughs> um, it's they're they're almost identical. I They've mean, got... how many ways are there to draw a cow, though? Look, yeah, there's 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 more than there's more than one. <laughs> I mean, that is true. Yeah. And and also, that's okay. While the game gets you stuck in mechanics, you also don't get stuff explained to you enough like it's constantly tutorializing you yet there's like these wolves that can come out at night and they don't tell you like you know where the boundaries of your farm is but you have to stay within the boundaries of your farm at night or the wolves will get you so there's the perfect analogy for this you know the meme where you are tired and so you drink coffee or energy drinks and you're still tired but now your heart's racing okay that's what yeah. the game feels like it keeps throwing things at you <laughs> but then it's also very slow and you've not yeah. really gotten anywhere but you're getting more things thrown at you and it's this weird mixture of you know wow what a week and it's like it's wednesday and <laughs> right okay. it it it, it it, the pacing of it is off. It's a wonderful game. It's got beautiful visuals. It's got fun mechanics. And the devs are absolutely great. Like, um, they, to, to chop wood, there's a mini game where you have to move the slider over the, the marker and basically mimic the soaring action, right? Okay. And mm -hmm. feedback was that wasn't very accessibility friendly. You know, people with accessibility issues were like, this sucks. I can't do that. 
So the next update, they removed, they added the ability to skip the entire mini game. And, you know, you skip the mini game and then you just get, you know, fewer resources. Is it for, is it early access? I think it is. Is it? Because it definitely feels like it. It feels like they've got the mechanics and they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll have the story soon. Um, let me see if I I agree. It's not. It's not. It's it's actually out. Well, yeah. good, good on them for a full launch. I mean, that's. I can absolutely, um, absolutely get that. But yeah, it was just kind of a little bit jarring for me in that aspect, and that's kind of why I bounced off it. So, fun game if you like just learning and not actually having to go anywhere with it. But if you're looking to progress and you're looking to work out what on earth is going on, it's not actually that helpful. Yeah, right. Okay, well, that's good to know. Um, Why don't we lead on now with uh, some of the MMOs that you've been playing, Arch? Yeah. Um, I know you've been a very busy boy in that space. I have been. I've, I've got two MMOs I'm playing at the moment, which... Some would argue is too, too many. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, I've, I've still got the Albion bug. I actually joined a ZVZ guild. So Zerg versus Zerg. Um, basically a guild that doesn't really look at the small scale PVP, not like 5v5 or 2v2 stuff, but actually territory battles and large group actions so 20 to 80 people running around and that is an entirely different experience i've got to be honest with you i can completely understand the rush of worm pvp now you know from playing that because it is that fun of having a group work together and just absolutely seeing the results or you know the the fights and how it all goes never liked 1v1 pvp Still don't in Albion, but, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun and I'm just continuing to enjoy it. The new guild season opens up in, uh, what, uh, I think it's this weekend. So I'm actually going to learn more about like the territory versus territory stuff too. So I've got some, uh, energy drinks stacked and I'm going to be having some fun on Saturday night gaming with a group of people again. Like it's like I'm 16 again. Hell yeah. I mean, I've, I've played a, a lot of, of, of worm PVP back in the day, so I definitely understand the, the, the rush and the. Uh, enjoyment of large-scale pvp it's uh yeah it's very very cool i also actually as strange as it sounds i have come to enjoy the the triad as well like dps or this is square because there's also support but like dps tank healer i'm playing a healer in this my my damage output is nil i'm actually you know running doing party heals so big aoe heals it's a lot of fun it's honestly something different to what I've played in any other MMO. You know, I've never really dived into the whole being a, um, being like a PVP player, being a healer. It's all new to me and I'm just really enjoying the experience. So it's, yeah, like 
kind of a whole bunch of new things at once. Do the healers get targeted in the PvP pretty hard? Because, like, I know in a lot of uh, PvPs with PP, v- PvP things with healers, like, healers tend to get hard targeted. So, yes and no. I mean, you not really in ZvZ because the forces are too large, right? It's hard to target the healer amidst, like, 50 people. But, mm. you know, I mentioned the square, how there's, you know, DPS, tank, healer, and that. There's also several types of tanks. There's several types of uh, supports. So you've got engaged tanks. Engaged tanks basically clump the enemy together, freeze them, so they can be attacked. Then there's defense tanks that can do things such as slow the enemy. They can deny them space. They can knock them back. So there's all of these various things. And then you've got supports that can buff and supports that can remove debuffs. So when you're working with a large party like that, you really, there's, there's no one role that gets hit. Generally, the idea is the engaged tank grabs their front line. You pummel their front line with every single attack you have and then move forward and wipe out the back lines. When you get into the more of the, the smaller scale 5v5 and stuff, when there is a, you can see the healer, you can target the healer, absolutely. You'll go for the tank and try and occupy the healer at the same time. When the tank goes down, you go for the healer, so on. So it's very different tactics. So I've not mm-hmm. been directly targeted. I've just been accidentally caught in an absolute melt pot like you know literally standing there one second next second pulled into a group and just deleted (laughs) but yeah that's that's been albion it's been a lot of fun it's consumed a lot of time and um the only downside of it is i'm in i enjoy gathering in games and albion has a really good gathering mechanic like where everything you gather you refine you craft and all of that but the problem is, is there is zero safe zones for tier six and upwards. So the, the end game stuff, the stuff that's actually worth money, you can't do it chill. You always have to be aware of your surroundings. You always have to be on the lookout. And to me, that detracts a bit from the experience because it's, I can't just do it while watching something. I can't just have a chill time. It has to be focused time. And that kind of also drains me a lot. And so that side of it has had me feeling a little bit like, you know, I can see why people log in and go, is there any PVP happening? And you get told no, and they log out because if you're going to be engaged, if you're going to be paying all this attention and like, you know, being hyper aware of your surroundings may as well be doing something that's actually, you know, more engaging than gathering. Mm-hmm. How about you, Sui? Like, I know you've been talking about um, your Final Fantasy Savage raids. What are they? So it's PVE content. It's not PvP, but it's the hardcore endgame content that you can do in Final Fantasy. Um, they're like these, like, I don't know, I think they're 10 minute fights roughly usually 
maybe a little longer, I don't fully know, um, and you're just fighting a boss, and there's usually, like, they go in tiers of four fights, so my group is about to clear the first fight of that, it came out, like, three weeks ago, I think now, um, which is super fun, and, uh, actually, in terms of PvP, uh, the other night, I tried out, what was it called, hold on here, Omega Strikers. Omega Strikers. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's very much like a, it's air hockey kind of, in a way, and it's very anime. Anime and, air hockey, and you called it PvP. Yeah, because it's 3v3. See, to me, that just strikes me as competitive, not necessarily like- It's P PvP because you fight each other and like you can dock each other out and like kill each other and stuff. But it's air hockey. Air hockey doesn't involve knocking anyone out. It's like, it's more complicated than air hockey. It's like, it's, I don't know how to explain it. I don't play PvP games. Um, my boyfriend and one of his best friends convinced me to try it, right? How was um, it though? Did you enjoy it? For a PvP game, I liked it. I'm not a PvP person, because I just, like, I get really salty really fast, and then, you know, I don't have the patience to, like, get good at the game, and so I just always, like, beat myself up for not doing perfectly. Yep. Yep. Relatable. Yeah, so, Hard I can't really enjoy PvP for the most part, you know? Like, I tend to like to stick to co-op, like, that same group of us, but, um adding in another person too have been playing Celestia, so we're doing a four person group or Celasta, however you say it oh um, yeah the the crown of the magister yeah 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 and it's been a good time um i got sponsored to play it like a long time ago and yeah. uh so i'm playing with friends on the side though now and i will say it's really nice to be playing with someone who's a D, &D nerd because, like, yeah, I play D&D, but, like, you know, one of the people in our group is extremely knowledgeable, so it's so fun. Like, are, are they a DM? At first, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're not DMing, but, like... <laughs> no, 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 but know. it's usually the DM who is the, the absolute knowledge nerd. Oh, no, they're not the DM or anything, but they know a lot about the D&D, which, like, really helps us figure out how our classes work and everything, because the game does kind of seem to expect a base level knowledge of D&D to some degree. Yeah. Um, and it's been a good time. Like, I've been having a lot of fun. It was slow at first and, like, kind of clunky to get used to, but now that we've gotten used to it, we're having a really good time. Yeah, I've heard good things about Celasta. Like, I know it is built off the, um fifth edition systems reference document the sid yes. so it is yeah. it is not just oh it's like D, D. it's like no it actually uses the same rules and mechanics as D. &D. Mm -hmm. like uh, short rest long rest yeah all yeah. the classes everything you it know like it's a really fantastic job of emulating the the experience i think it, it, yeah I, I mean i've talked about Celasta uh, quite a bit previously but I think the, I think it's best in class in terms of actually replicating the the fifth edition experience, especially when it comes to combat. Oh, that's cool. I think there's some elements that are left to be desired in terms of the actual questing and dialogue, but overall, from a combat mechanics perspective, it is really really good. Don't don't mm -hmm. worry. And 
once they get chat GPT, they'll, um, all, all that NPC interaction will be <laughs> top notch. <laughs> um, the one thing about it as well is like, I don't know, yeah, the, it forces the party to go along together though. So like, nobody's going to miss out on any chat that does happen. You're not going to miss out on story, which yeah. is really nice. I like the way they do it. They also like, when there's a dialogue choice, they make everyone vote on which dialogue choice you want instead of just one person choosing, which is really fun. I like that. Okay. Um, so, so it separates a little bit from the typical D and D experience then, because well, usually okay, that's like votes, but one person says it. Yeah. Yeah. But normally it's like a whole bunch of people arguing what to say. And then one idiot speaks up and says something and the DMs like, you're really going to say that. Okay. Roll for initiative. Um, <laughs> yes. I've I've been the reason that we've wound up in fights before in D and D because I've Same. said I I've said really dumb things. Um, yeah, but uh, my group calls Celestia as close to D and D as they can without getting Wizards of the Coast mad at them. Yeah. Okay, that sounds really cool. I I like the sound of that. Drongo, speaking of getting angry wizards or wizards angry. Okay. <laughs> I don't know I don't know which one it is. Tell me about what have you been up to? Um I've been playing some more Skyrim. I, my addiction has continued. Um uh, which has been really fun. Uh I did talk about this a lot on last week's episode, so I won't dwell too much on it, but rest assured I am still in the midst of it and I am looking at ways of keeping it fresh and keeping the challenge new and stuff. Uh, but I've also been playing a little bit of Wargroove, which is, uh, if you're familiar with Advanced Wars, it's a turn-based strategy game, and Wargroove is uh, basically a fantasy version of that, with Advanced Wars being like kind of like a, a modern slash slight future version of it. And it's got an, a, a fantastic art style, it's got... Uh, a great little storyline in it. It's got a really, really fun kind of um, story progression system and like the old school star rating for missions and stuff, which yep. is a nice little throwback. And part of the reason why I've been playing that and I've been kind of a little bit excited for that is that they do have a demo for Wargroove number two coming up soon, uh, which I got an email about earlier today. So I've been very i'm very excited for that and i'm very much looking forward to checking that out very soon on stream and yeah wargroove it's a lot of fun definitely if you're if you're somebody who really enjoyed advanced wars and maybe you don't have a switch to be able to play it on switch through the nintendo store or whatever i think wargroove is definitely worth checking out and i mean even if you do have it i st still think it's worth checking out that's awesome i think i'm gonna have to check this out because it looks like a lot of fun it really does just look like, like, I've just pulled it up. It looks great. I think I've seen Etel play a little bit of this. Mm -hmm. Um, it looks familiar, but I love the, I love the visual style. It is very, yeah, very tight. It's very, very close to that. And, um, it looks like Fire Emblem, like old school Fire Emblem as well. Yes. Yes. It has um, a similar sort of aesthetic to it. Yeah. Yeah. Except Fire Emblem, every, every class is like a hero class, yet this seems to be, it does. Oh, uh, it does seem to be a little bit more. Um, what's that word? 
units. Oh, this is multiplayer player. This Mul- is online co-op. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I mean, the the way it generally works is very similar to Advance Wars, where you will have a general for your army, army, and your general will have special powers and maybe have like a power up or a special like passive bonus for your units that yep. will make them you know more specialized in certain types of combat such as uh, like ranged units or you know spearmen or swordsmen or something like that or be able to heal people or give extra movement or extra turns to your units that kind of thing yeah okay. and uh yeah it, it's very similar in that sort of aspect and i think that is something by the looks of things they're going to be continuing on for uh, number two as well and i think it's just a really really fun system like it, it gives replayability it gives you multiplayer and co-op options it's yeah it's just yeah, it's just a lot of fun just it looks lot, lot it fun. looks like fun i think i'm gonna have to check out the uh the demo when it comes out i assume it's coming out for like next fest or something correct yes yeah yeah the the demo will be coming out for next fest Awesome. I think I'll have to check that out. Yeah. I've been like keeping an eye out for turn-based co-op games because so uh Sue Boy and my boyfriend uh and some of his friends that's like the only intersection we have in what we like. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like keeping an eye out now to try and find stuff that the four of us can play together. Cuz they like uh the one, yeah. Yeah, they like uh like War Thunder and shooter games and that sort of stuff, you know, like proper war and PvP and stuff. And I'm here like, no thanks. Proper war, innit? <laughs> anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was. We got some news to get to, don't we? Well, we sure do. Okay, we're not talking about Necrom then. Fine. Okay, no, no, no. Talk. No. If you want to talk about it, then start talking, dude. When did I? You, there was never a lull. I yeah, there was. Uh, that wasn't a lull. That was an yeah, awkward was. silence because of Drongo's yeah, an awkward at silence is a lull. No, now you go, you no. go. Lull, innit? Oh God, yeah, no. Now, now we're just moving. Why don't along. you? Uh, why don't you tell us about Necromarch? <laughs> well, I'm so glad someone asked. Um. Elder Scrolls Online released their latest expansion, uh, Necrom, which is set in the Telvanni Peninsula, which is in the in the Morrowind area. Vardenfell is the island that we all know and love with the giant mushrooms and the the Dunma, and then the Telvanni Peninsula is just across from from that, and so. It's an absolutely fantastic update with a story from our favorite inky globby squid, Hermaeus Mora, who is fantastic character, um, the Daedric Prince of Fate. And it's basically a story uh, involving, you know, um, a heist on, on uh, his, his uh, Daedric realm. And you're there to, to try and intersect as the... Uh, chosen one of fate or the prophesized one of fate it's something to do with that but like i said it's a fantastic um expansion for the story i've loved the story um but it also comes with a brand new class the uh arcanist class for um 
for for Elder Scrolls, which is quite big. It's been a while since they've uh, had a new class, and it's a very, very fun one. Basically, it relies on a whole bunch of um, crux runes. Base you use actions that create runes. And then you have abilities that you can use that are powered by the runes that give them different bonuses. So I've been really enjoying both of those aspects. Um, and it's been just quite a lot of fun getting back into the world of the Vardenfell and the Dunma. The, the Dunma are, are fantastic. Like you can literally walk up. There's one quest. Guy asks you to, oh, my, my, uh, my master is... Um, you know, he gets these headaches and I want to, I want to help him with a cure. Can you get me these, these, uh, potion ingredients? So you go, okay, fetch quest. You go get the potion ingredients and, um, you put them together and then someone's like, Hey, ask him about why he's doing that. You know, I don't trust him. You ask him or you look into it, you read his diary and he's like, yeah, it's poison. What about it? Like, so, so you want to poison him? And he's like, yeah, he's, he's a jerk to me. So you can either go along and you can basically give it to him and say, fair warning, it's poison. Or you can literally just go, here you go. And he drinks it and dies. And when that happens, the guy that, uh, you know, he's junior, the one that had you poison him, gets promoted and becomes the master. And you're like, but he poisoned, that was poison. He did all this. And, and, and the other person's like, yeah, but he got away with it. And like, there's, there's a lot of fun in that. And I, I really do enjoy the way they approach those things in uh, Elder Scrolls. There is like very distinctive, distinctive styles and distinctive um, people, you know, in it all. And so, yeah, um, that's, that's, that's my thing on uh, Necrom. <laughs> it, it is nice. an enjoyable story. A, I finished it last night. Um, so a really enjoyable story that lends on a cliffhanger and yeah, if you, if you were interested about getting it, it the Arcanist class alone is worth it, I reckon. <laughs> on that note, why don't we take a quick break and we will be back with the news very soon. All right, welcome back to the Halcyon Frequency podcast. We are now on to the news. And to start us off this afternoon, we have some big news from Twitch. They have just announced the Partner Plus uh, program or category. I'm not sure what you would call it. I think it's program. And basically, for any streamers that have 350 uh, active reoccurring paid subs they will uh if they can demonstrate they can maintain that for longer than three months they will be automatically eligible for a 70 30 revenue split so for context um the standard revenue split for twitch partners and twitch affiliates on twitch is a 50 50 and basically this marks a uh, a step forward but one of the big complaints initially has been that this really only applies to a very, very small percentage of 
streamers on the platform and is not really that helpful to people. Um, however, I think it is a step in the right direction. I'm personally, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, on the, on the fence about it, mixed feelings, because on one hand, I'm happy for the people that it does apply to, and I'm happy for my peers that are, you know, are going to get that benefit. But on the other hand, it doesn't apply to me, at least at the moment. And, um, you know, it's probably going to be a long while before it does. But at least it's a, a structure whereby it's formalizing the 70-30 split. Because, of course, historically, Twitch did have 70-30 contract for selected partners um that were you know and, and they had different eligibility criteria for example they did legacy 70 30 splits for esport contracts they did legacy 70 30 splits for uh some select partners who had over 500 reoccurring active subs but not all of them um they had some special networks such as the yogs cast network that all had 70 30 splits um you know there's there was a lot of different very different criteria and um, stuff that were out there to get these extra beneficial contracts. But now they've standardized the eligibility for it and they've publicized it as well, which I think is a good thing. And I think the other thing I didn't actually mention is that uh, this is also capped on revenue uh, up to 100,000. So after 100,000, it drops back to a 50-50 split. Yeah. I mean, the good thing to this, like, the, the, at least the benefit of this is there is a normalized, transparent system. Mm -hmm. exactly. Whether yeah. that system is fair, uh, achievable, or, you know, um, like, like uh, you know, something that is actually reasonable is to be discussed and probably be to be ironed out but at least it's transparent at least it's available to everyone yeah exactly um i do wonder though like if those numbers are pretty close to what they were already because we all know that there were like super secret big partner contracts where they got like splits like 70 30 before so like was it similar in size to that at that point or was like, how did they choose who got that in the past? Like, I'm curious so the, how that compares. The most common legacy 70-30 split contracts were if you had 500 reoccurring uh, paid subs. Okay. So uh, it is a, a significant reduction in that number to gain access to a 70-30 split. That's nice. Um, I don't really like it being capped, but... The, the cap is weird. Um, like, I don't understand that cap. Me either. If that makes sense. But everything else, I don't know. I kind of get it. I, I kind of think that it's, it, it's a step in the right direction, if not the best step in the bet, you know, the best step. Yeah. I guess. I think, I think it is worth noting that this is the very first iteration of this uh, program, so I'm hoping that they will iterate on it and improve it. I think there are a number of ways that they could improve it and develop it from here. Like, I think one of the big 
problems that it has at the moment is it really doesn't account for a lot of ways that streamers monetize their streams through Twitch. And one of the things that I would personally prefer to see is the option for there to be a revenue threshold as opposed to a um, a sub threshold. And yeah. even if that's something that needs to be demonstrated over a, a longer period of time, because uh, well, I, I, I don't think I properly explained this, but one of the reasons why this has been controversial is the fact that gifted subs and prime subs do not count towards uh, the 350 sub threshold to be eligible for this. They need to and be recurring, also, yes. Yeah, they need to be reoccurring paid subs and uh, also things like bits and ad revenue don't, um, you know, don't uh, count towards this either. And they're all ways whereby Twitch is monetizing and getting benefit from their streamers as well. And I think if there was like a hard cap on revenue, it would be a way where Twitch can reward their top top performing and top monetized streamers across a wider variety of different content types. Like for example, you know, there's some streamers out there that may not have any subs, but they do a lot of live hours and they earn a lot of ad revenue. Yep. There might be some streamers that have really inventive alerts for bit cheers and have a high amount of effort and integration put into that, which means they get a lot of bit revenue. Um, there's a lot of people out there that have really engaged and really supportive communities that have high amounts of gift subs, all of which Twitch is benefiting from. And if there was a, a an amount put on that and a, and a revenue threshold where a Twitch streamer, if they're using the tools that Twitch is uh, giving them to monetize their stream, it motivates them and uh, allows them to kind of focus on what they do best to make themselves more money and Twitch more money. Like it's a literal win-win from that mm. per that perspective. That's it, uh, because it like I mean, it it's the exact same thing with with gift subs versus that. When it comes to gift subs. Well, sorry, when it comes to subs, you have to appeal to enough individual people. When it comes mm -hmm. to gift subs, you can, you know, it just takes a few, a, like, generous few to sort of get there, if that makes sense, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I've got some absolutely wonderful members of my community who go above and beyond. And, you know, like, they alone almost provide the biggest chunk of my um my revenue but like to to think of it from the perspective of just I actually have to get 350 people you can't really do anything that is like a goal you can't do a goal of if we get 500 subs we're going to do this because you're not going to get 500 people gift subs. You're going to get, you know, a uh, hundred or 200 people go, yeah, I'll chuck a couple of subs towards this. So it actually also, this is, this is something that's just come across my brain as we've been talking. It actually also kind of is counterproductive in terms of helping streamers incentivize subs. Yeah, it's because a double-edged yeah. double sword because basically you're taking people that are consuming the content um, who are most likely to receive a gifted sub and 
removing the incentive for them to sub themselves whilst at the same time saying to streamers hey you know you want to make money get your get your community to gift subs you know it's good for you good for twitch but at the same time saying well you know if you're if you're getting gifted subs then you're removing your opportunity to be eligible for a higher revenue split later on down the track like it's it's very a very different conflicting message whereas whereas if it was revenue based as opposed to uh sub type based oh then gosh. that would no longer be an issue and you can in, uh let those streamers incentivize their communities in whatever way they uh choose to you know what i've just realized mm. this is the same kind of ambiguity and and uh, like extra little clauses as becoming a partner. You've got to have 75 CCV, but they can't be from raids and, you know, they've, they've got to be from this mm -hmm. and it's got to be ongoing for several months. But if it drops below, then it doesn't count. The, once again, it's basically the entire stress of pushing for partner again. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, yeah, no, it right. was it I wasn't mean, until you were saying it. It's just like, oh my gosh, once again, because it's not going to be black and white. Twitch is not going to say, yep, nope, 350, you're in. They're going to say, actually, you dropped below the 350 at one point. We want to see that, you know, stay up. It's I 100%. Think, I think Twitch is going to have to introduce a, a proper tracking tool in the dashboard for this, because already a lot of the feedback I get from partners is like, Okay, I'm confused about how I can, you know, tell how many active subs I have and it's not really clear exactly how many Twitch is qualifying right now and I think they're going to need to in have some kind of equivalent almost to the the Twitch partner tracking tool where it tracks your partner CCV uh, CCV average into yeah. the dashboard to see uh for you to be able to track your eligibility for um partner plus but, but you're right it is going to be a similar push i know for me as a full-time content creator like I, I absolutely want to try and get partner plus like if my sub check my average sub count didn't change and i got some of my gifted subs to become pa full paid subs themselves without actually increasing my sub numbers it would be worth an extra thousand dollars a month to me like that is huge yeah like a thousand dollars a month would be the difference between me kind of like struggling along barely meeting my budgeting to then being in a place where i'm able to actually you know save money and have a little bit of discretionary uh, spending again like it would be it would be massive yeah and so, and like yeah. that's kind of the thing the more we talk about this the more i realize that once again it's a situation that hopefully like i hope i'm wrong but hopefully becomes something that is incredibly transparent because mm -hmm. while it is transparent we all know from previous times in the past, it's, you know, just because you know the numbers for, for hitting partner does not mean you'll be accepted when you get, when you hit them. Correct, and yeah. I wonder yeah. if, uh, partner plus is an automatic thing or it's, it's accepted on a case by case basis. Well, Let's okay, so that is actually fully clarified. So partner plus you, as long as you meet the criteria, of having 350 paid concurrent subs, you will automatically be qualified and notified at the end of the three month period whereby you have you know, managed to maintain that number. 
it is automatic. It's not up to a discretionary assessment. No, but that the is problem really within this is that on the partner side at the moment, there is not a clear indication in the data to absolutely say, yes, I am currently meeting the criteria and be able to accurately track that. Yeah, I um, saw someone released a third party tool for it. And I'm just like, why is this announced? And there has there is a third party tool to help you get an understanding. Like, I I I sincerely hope. I know this has been in the works longer than um the the Twitch debacle last week. Jeez, that they're in the news every week. Um, <laughs> yeah. I know this has been going on longer, but I sincerely hope that there is also an internal push to help with metrics. We've gotten mm -hmm. metric tools that are like things like what games you could stream or what times you should be streaming, which are honestly the most useless tools. I get told like, you know, oh, you've got 50 CCV. If you play this game, that's got 10,000 people that are watching, you uh, would be second in the list. And it's like, yeah, cause there is 10,000 people watching one person, mm -hmm. you know, and it, they're, they're, they're not great tools yet breaking down what we make and where it comes from is such an important tool in terms of working out what's working. You know, like when I, I went through a period where I was doing every, every 20 subs, we got a new emote and I honestly wish I had more emote slots because that was incredibly successful, both in terms of community excitement, you know, and, and also driving sub incentives. But again, most of that was from gifts. And yeah. so I just, I'm, I, I think that the desire to do well, like you and I had this talk earlier about whether or not it was Twitch trying to win favor or, you know, backpedaling because of negativity, but you were absolutely right. in the fact that they've already, they've already like gotten past all of that. They, they moved on to the next drama and they didn't have to do this, but I just sincerely hope that there are improvements to help streamers really capitalize on what they do best, as opposed to just getting individual people to sub to them, because that's almost like, no, don't gift subs because that can lose opportunities because gift subs go to the people who are watching. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> that, 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 that then means that the chances are that those people are not going to sub themselves or, or they can't. And yeah, it becomes really, really murky and I don't like the feeling it gives. It is kind of funny that I think, I, I think Twitch expected this to be like a little bit of a W for them. Like the messaging around it was, I think a little bit more optimistic than what the reception was because the reception yeah. I think at the moment has been more negative than positive just off of what I've seen on, on social media so far. Yeah. I and think, I think it is kind of funny that even their, even their W's are turning into L's at the moment, which is, yeah, just yeah. Really they, they just can't hold on to them. You know, they're not, they're snatching yeah. defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. But anyway, uh, why don't we finish off this episode with a bit of good news, and that is the new version of Steam, the Steam overlay and the and the Steam UI and everything. Yeah. Why don't you talk us through it, Arch? So 
Yeah, um, Steam released like a big update to their their client, which has an entirely new UI and uh, a new overlay. I I had a look through and I thought, oh, that's neat. And then I was streaming yesterday and someone came in and, you know, we were talking about it and they said, I hate it. And, and that prompted me to actually look through and read, like we, in my typical ADHD fashion, the stream took a pause and we, we opened up the Steam page to actually look through the, uh, through the announcement. And there are so many good features. Um, so the overlay has been completely redone. A lot of the backend stuff has been redone just to make it easier for the future, for future changes. But the, the biggest thing and the best thing by far is they've added the ability to make notes in games. So you can open up the, the layout, the overlay, sorry, not the layout. You can open up the overlay. You can write notes that includes formatting. There is, there is specific formatting. It works offline, online, and across devices. So if you are playing on PC and you're like, you know, make notes about a quest, make notes about, you know, what you need to do next time you load the game up, you know, like we've all played RimWorld, loaded up, up and been like, I have no memory of this place. Um you can actually leave notes and no matter what device you can be playing it on steam deck or another PC and those notes will cross with it. And so it's fantastic in terms of that alone, like that alone brings so much more user, like positive user experience. And I'm a huge fan of it. And so hopefully, hopefully we see more of this and hopefully it, it, continues to uh gets updated and it works well mm -hmm. i actually have a couple different things that i like about it first off notifications now show sales of wishlisted items which honestly i think is really smart in all directions right because people are more likely to buy games then but also people know when the games that they want are on sale which is like super useful i mean yeah you get those emails but who checks their email um, I, <laughs> I mean, I do too, but like, I don't know. I assume a lot of people probably have their Steam go to an email. They don't check that often, right? Um, and then also like you might look at your email when you don't have Steam open and then you forget sort of thing, you know? So it kind of puts it in one place. And then I also really like, I was looking at the store page during this podcast and I went to go copy a link, like, because it shows the link on the top of the page if you have it set up to do that. And if you click that now, it automatically copies. Oh, nice. I didn't know about that. That's cool. It is so nice. Like, I literally clicked it because, like, usually I have this weird glitch in the past where I'd click it, I'd copy, and then it just wouldn't copy. And I'd have to try over and over sometimes to make it copy and actually copy. And now it's just you click and it copies, which is so nice to send links of games to friends. Yeah, I think that's part of the back-end changes, too. It was running on some very old stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm honestly really happy with the changes. I really, really like them. Um, mm -hmm. Being able to kind of have more control and uh, customization with the Steam overlay. And uh, for me, like when I'm achievement hunting, oh my God, these changes are an absolute godsend. I am 
Chef's kiss. I'm a big fan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no more opening a notepad on your yeah. computer, which exactly. is like something I have to do all the time. Like when you're playing little RPGs, like, and, or like you need to go craft something, but you can't actually like pin in the game what it takes to craft it. So you have to either remember or write it down. And now you have a place to write it down where you can still view it on the same monitor. Oh. Yeah. hundred yep. percent. Completely agree. Absolutely. I think it's a big, big impositive. All right. Wonderful. Well, I think that kind of brings us to the end of the episode. Um, Arch, why don't you tell us who you are and where people can find you? I am Arch Playstuff, and you can find me on all good internet places as Arch Playstuff. Nice and easy. Perfect. And Sui, who are you and where can people find you? Hi, I'm Sui. It is spelled S-U-W-E-Y. Um, you can find me on Twitch. It's Sui. And then on YouTube, my main channel is at Sui. Secondary channel that is my archive is at Sui Streams. And then on all social media, I am at Sui Streams. Wonderful. And I have been your host, Bloody Drongo. If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitch as Bloody Drongo, all one word, or over on Twitter as at the Bloody Drongo. And as for this podcast, if you want to get more episodes, you can go to halcyonfrequency.com or any podcast platform. And if you can't find it on one, let us know and we'll get it on there for you. And we have new episodes every Sunday. If you want to talk about this episode, you can join the Halcyon Frequency Discord. And a quick thank you, of course, to Peter Paul and Paul Miles for the music uh, for this podcast, which you're hearing at the moment. This has been the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. Don't touch that dial. Signing off. Bold of you to assume I'll have the music playing at that point.